0: Well, today we have a wonderful guest with us, and I'm very excited to talk to her. She's actually a fellow therapist, and I don't really get many of those, and so I'm really excited to hear her take on a lot of things. Now, she has a new book out called Out of the Fog, Into the Clear, Journaling to Help You Heal from Toxic Relationships. This has attained Amazon bestseller status in self-help for abuse codependency, and personal transformation. She also has a YouTube channel, Therapist Talks. She shares insights, information, perspectives, and strategies on a wide range of relationship and mental health topics. Who is our guest? Our guest is Shannon Petrovich. Shannon, welcome to Phoenix and Flame. Thanks so much, Dana. It's a
1: thrill to be here.
0: I'm so, so happy that you're here with me. Now, I was wondering if you could sort of begin and share with us a little bit about your background and also what drove you to be interested in substance abuse counseling.
1: Sure. So I have been a therapist for 35 years. I went to the Bowdoin College for college and then took a couple of years before I figured out what I wanted to do. And as I was looking at, around at things and realizing where, my, where really my calling was, it really dawned on me that I wanted a master's degree in social work. So I went to the University of Connecticut School of Social Work, which was amazing. In the process of becoming a therapist, I also learned about substance abuse counseling and recognized that I had really an addiction personality, addictive personality, we call it. What that means is that i realized that sometimes two meant two drinks and sometimes two meant 10. And, you know, in AA, we talk about how bottom is wherever you stop digging. And so at 26 years <laughs> old, I stopped digging, even though, you know, it wasn't the deepest pit that anyone's ever been in. I decided it was deep enough for me and I just stopped. And that was a beautiful thing for me. And I also wanted to help other people with that. Um, In the process of working with other people, I've I've worked in all kinds of areas, inpatient, outpatient. I developed a a long-term therapeutic boarding school for young uh, teen boys with substance abuse issues and then uh, went back into my private practice over the last uh, five years and uh, then started therapist talks because I felt like... I had a lot that I'd learned over the years, and I always felt like I was flying blind, especially in college or late adolescence, and I didn't know what was going on or how you do relationships or any of that stuff, and I hated that I had no... I just felt like I was flying blind and had some wonderful friends, but they were flying blind too. So it was the blind leading the blind. (laughs) (laughs) And back in that day, you really didn't have access to a YouTube or anything that would help you with mental health information. So the only way to get that information was really to go to grad school and, and then jump into the field and start figuring it out. So I wanted to share with more people than one person, one hour at a time and started Therapist Talks on YouTube. And over the past few years, it's really become focused on toxic relationships, particularly narcissistic and abusive and other toxic relationships. And so that became the main focus of of the channel because that's what everybody was so baffled about and wanted to hear about. And then I realized about a year ago that I needed to pull it all together into a book to help people to really heal because there are millions of people in the world who don't have access to a therapist. And so people like you who are doing podcasts and, and, um, and doing, you know, people like me who are out there doing YouTube channels are just trying to help other people not feel so alone if you don't have access to therapy. And, um, so the book is really designed to bring it all together into a self-help process. And the subtitle is Journaling to Help You Heal from Toxic Relationships, because I put a bunch of journal prompts throughout the book so that you can really work things through. It isn't just a, a technical jargon book. It's really a self-help book so that you can pick it up and work it through.
0: That sounds wonderful. I Just in listening to what you've said so far, I've, I've taken several notes and one of the things I wanted to bring up was you mentioned how you know the the rock bomb is when you stop digging mm-hmm. that your pit might not have been as as deep as someone else's, and I just wanted to pause and just point out to the listeners that you know everybody's walking a different path, and I'm sure Shannon, you have heard different stories as as we as therapists do that sometimes people feel as if since their hole maybe might not be quite as deep as someone else's, that they don't have the right to feel badly about it. They don't have the right to complain. They don't have the right to talk about their feelings because their situation wasn't quite as bad as the guy down the street. And I was wanting just to kind of chat about that a few minutes and get your insights and what you have, you know, the conversations that you've had with people along those lines.
1: Yeah, it's so common that we diminish our story or diminish our our pain, even people uh, don't recognize their trauma, oftentimes, or they want to say, well, it's not really that bad, or it's not that big a deal, or, you know, it isn't like somebody else's trauma. But if your trauma is, is painful to you, if it still comes up for you, if it still brings you tears years and years later, then obviously it's a trauma and it's not resolved and it's painful and it's important for us to, to get to the, to the root and to the bottom of that story because it isn't just what happens to us, it's how we story it and put it away. And so I work with people with EMDR tools and, and that helps heal trauma so that you can really get into the the weeds of what happened to you when that experience uh, occurred so that you can undo that story, change it to something more healthy and productive and thriving, Um, you know, the phoenix out of the, the flame. And so it's really important that we not diminish our own story or our trauma or even our substance abuse. Like I said, if if you're done digging, then that's your bottom. And so many people say, well, you got to hit bottom or you got to wait till that person hits bottom. Bottom can be death, you know, in these days, fentanyl and and all these things, you know, bottom can be not survivable. So it's super mm-hmm. important to recognize when you're just done digging and you want your life to be better, whether that's with your trauma, with your pain, with your with your toxic relationship if you are done, it's important to honor that feeling and that thought and that belief.
0: Well, and that is such good, good advice and and insight from you. You know, I'm thinking, you had mentioned that your therapist talks ended up focusing a lot, uh, kind of organically developed and focusing more on kind of narcissistic, you know, toxic type relationships because people are, they get kind of baffled. And you know you get gaslit and all kinds of stuff when you're in a in a relationship with a narcissist. I think that is so helpful that you are offering that to people. Several things I've said on Phoenix and Flame is about transparency. And for my guests to be transparent, for myself to be transparent, for the listeners to feel like they can also be transparent because we're all in this together and you kind of mentioned something along those lines earlier that we're all a big community and we're all struggling with different things. And so to be able to be open and honest and to be okay with that and to talk about it is a really big deal. And I know one of my issues is my mother has a lot of narcissistic tendencies and that that's been a conundrum from time to time. And so I'm so glad that people have an opportunity to kind of come and I can understand why they get confused about that.
1: Yeah, it is. It's baffling. If you're not wired that way, it is absolutely baffling how someone can be so mean, so two-faced, so uh, dishonest about the dumbest things, uh, so all about themselves and unable to show up for other people when they lack empathy and lack compassion. If you're an empathic, compassionate person, that is just unthinkable and un. Unrecognizable in a person. And so we tend to, as empathic, compassionate people, undermine our own realizations. And so it's extremely important that people not feel alone. And in my, you know, part of my mission for my Therapist Talks channel on YouTube is really to help anyone in the world, you know, jump in and not feel like they're alone and recognize that, yeah, you could have been raised by somebody with narcissistic traits. Or you could have an adult child with those traits or a partner spouse, a sibling, a co-worker. Those things are so baffling that you need to kind of recognize what's going on, uh, get the information you need so that you can understand it better. And then let go of that hope that you can somehow change them or, or placate them <laughs> to the point where they're going to get well and see the light. And we, you know, as hopeful, forgiving, loving people, it's really hard to let that go and recognize that's the truth. They're not going to get better. They're not going to change because you said the right thing or did the right thing or loved them to death and they suddenly came out of it. They are who they are and you have to recognize it and step back emotionally so that you don't get sucked in.
0: Absolutely. And it's so wonderful that you're giving this platform for people to come in and, and to share and to to listen, because it kind of gets all wrapped together. You think about narcissism, but also the substance abuse sometimes is woven in there with it. And then you have the codependency that gets woven in there when we're trying to somehow, you know, make excuses, make it OK, because like you said, it's baffling to someone that is more empathetic and is not narcissistic because it's like, you don't want to believe that they're, that they're really that way. It just, it just kind of, it goes beyond the pale. But I, I think what happens and I'm wondering what kind of feedback you've gotten from your listeners as well is you mentioned the aloneness and that is something that I've brought up in Phoenix and Flame as well. One of my reasons for having this podcast is so we don't feel alone and we can be honest is People sometimes it seems as they are alone because if they try to talk about it, they get judged. Mm -hmm. And so there's like the other people coming in, either not believing them, because if you're in a relationship, whatever that is with a narcissist um, or someone along those lines, it is kind of difficult to talk about some things because of that judgment and that criticism That comes in and so sometimes people I think might feel alone because of that. Has that been feedback that you've received?
1: Yes, I do a live stream uh, on my channel every other Sunday afternoon and people jump in from all over the world um, from Serbia and Scotland and Nigeria and you know like Malaysia. I, I can't even remember all the places people, Poland recently. And so, you know, it's just amazing to me that we can use this technology for good because <laughs> we all know that it's been also used for not so much good. I, I do think that um, not feeling alone is critical to keeping out of that despair place, which is where suicide comes from. And so we want to really help people know that you're not crazy. You're not alone. This happened And it wasn't your fault even. So it's really important that people, because the the narcissist is doing a bunch of games all at once. So part of that is to isolate you from your people so that you don't have a reality testing source any longer and you don't have the outside support any longer. Um, They love bomb you so that you feel that this is um, the cat's PJs and then they devalue you so that you feel like, You've got to have those breadcrumbs from them because not, no one else would ever love you. So they make you feel like it's you and them against the world. Then they also kind of keep dropping in these little, you know, their mini tantrums in the beginning, and then they escalate to more and more tantrums. And they can be implosions or explosions. You know, the more covert type of narcissist will go into that. You know, histrionics and suicidal stuff if you're not doing what they want you to do, because it all comes down to nice. I want control and I will manipulate you to get control. And I want you, your life, and all of your thoughts, feelings, needs to be uh, focused on me. And okay. it all has to revolve around me. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to go implosion, explosion, narcissistic collapse. <laughs> And so all of those games um, make you feel alone because they're categorically carving you out from your people and they're making you feel crazy and they're making you focus entirely on them so that you are becoming more and more bankrupt emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually, and even, even financially so that you have nothing left for anybody else except them. And over time, you kind of cease to even know who you are, what you want, what you need, what you feel. So that a lot of times when a client is coming out of that relationship, they feel so incredibly empty. They're very, very at risk to run back into that or into another relationship of the same caliber. So it's extremely important too, to recognize that when you're emptied out of that person, you've got to rebuild immediately. And so the the last third of my book is all about self-care and rebuilding your sense of self because you don't even know who you are anymore and you haven't taken care of yourself in so long, you don't know what you think or feel. And then rebuilding your connections and then rebuilding your whole life because you may have no activities left or no job left or no interests left and you have to kind of rebuild. So understanding that all of that is normal coming out of this kind of relationship helps, again, you not feel alone and not feel crazy and know what's ahead so that you can tackle that instead of running from it.
0: Wow. That is just some wonderful, wonderful words of wisdom. It made me remember one time I had a patient that she seemed to be experiencing something similar to what you're describing. And I asked her, I said, you know, I've got a question. And she says, okay. I said, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? And she just sat there and stared at me. She had no idea because for so long, her whole, her particular relationship was with a a spouse. And so for, for years and years and years, her whole life had been about her husband's desires and what her husband's preferences were making sure that her husband got what he wanted And so she had slowly and over time gotten so focused and so wrapped around that, that she had no idea what her favorite ice cream flavor was. She just kind of sat there and just stared at me. That is such I said, well, you've got an assignment. (laughs) (laughs) Go to
1: Baskin Robbins and get all 31. (laughs) That's awesome. No, that's so true. And that's a great example. And it sounds so dumb. And yet, and, and people coming out of it, that's the other thing is that they, you know, the first thing out of uh, a person's mouth is I feel so stupid. And I say, whoa, time out. You, uh, you know, if your friend was coming out of this, your best friend was coming out of this, would you call her stupid or call him stupid? No, of course not. You would never talk to anyone else in your life that way. And so you have to Mm -hmm. stop talking to yourself that way too that person had been devaluing you for so long that you devalue yourself inside your own head. And that toxic relationship with yourself has to be the beginning of the healing.
0: You know, I was, was wondering why do you think there are so many people that are struggling with toxic relationships? What are your thoughts on that?
1: That's a really great question, Dana. And I think, you know, it's always been around and we didn't really have a lot of attachment of the of the um, label narcissist on, on those toxic people back in the day. I think it's only been really sort of a buzzword for the last 10 or 15 years. Um, but those people have always been around and we've always been fascinated and baffled by them. But I think it is more prevalent now and I think it's a mixture of things. I think there's a lot less focus on building character qualities in children and a lot more where they get lost in social media. And when they get, when kids get lost in social media, by definition, they are lost in the superficial. And so the Mm -hmm. superficial things are, you know, and that doesn't mean that they are a narcissistic personality disorder. And all teenagers are, by definition, narcissistic (laughs) and self-centered. You know, that's why we don't label anybody until they're in their 20s, at least. And personality disorders are more rare than the traits. So most of the time I try to talk about narcissistic traits because that's more common. But I think the traits are more common because there's less focus on what really matters and what uh, self-esteem really is. So that's part of what I also talk about in my videos and in my book is, is what is a, a healthy sense of self. Because then people even get confused. Like if I feel good about myself, then I'm a narcissist. Not at all. Mm. You know, narcissists are are an empty. If you picture a hot air balloon. And that hot air balloon has to be pumped with hot air constantly. And that's what's true of a narcissist. They have to have adoration and attention and puffing up constantly. And when they don't get that, then they implode like a hot air balloon and then it explodes. (laughs) And so that image is what a narcissist is about. Whereas somebody who has a healthy sense of self knows who they are. They like who they are. Uh, they respect their character qualities, not their fingernails and hair and their and their likes on Facebook or their bank account. they're really looking at their character qualities. So when you know that you're an empathic, compassionate, caring person, you're a loyal friend, you you, you know, work hard, those are your character qualities. And none of us are per- perfect at any of that, but when you know that's basically, who you are and what you're about, those are your values and that you work each day to try to live your values more closely, that's a healthy sense of self. And that doesn't need puffing up by anybody else. In fact, it's a very humble state because we know also our our character defects and what we need to work on and what we are working on. So that's a healthy, solid sense of self. Um, that can go out into the world and interact with others in a healthy way. And that's what you want to look for in a relationship. When you notice somebody who has to constantly be puffed up and adored and given all the attention in the room, you really want to turn and run (laughs) very quickly.
0: (laughs) Girl, (laughs) preach it. Yes. I... Yes, this is true. And I love your analogy of this hot air balloon because it's it's never ending. It's like you think, like with, with a normal relationship, a healthy relationship, you sometimes you give to them, sometimes they give to you. Sometimes you're lifting them up, sometimes they're lifting you up. And it goes back and it just flows back and forth. Right. But when you're in a relationship with a narcissist, it's just... You can't, it's like you keep pumping and pumping and giving and giving. And it, it, it seems, and you think it's okay for a while, but then it's not. You Just wait for it, wait for uh-huh. it. It's like it's impossible to put enough in there, to put enough hot air in there. It's just, it's like this humongous balloon that goes on forever and ever. And you can't ever get enough. You think, well, when is going to be enough? Right. You know, isn't this enough now? And I think that's one of the reasons why I have gotten so um, focused on boundaries, even before I started uh, really seeing how prevalent it was with my patients over these years of doing private practice. It just comes up every single day when you look at the core of an issue. And so when I think about what you're describing, and I think about this hot air balloon, and I think you know about our right to say no. Exactly no simply no I'm not going to do fill in the blank mm-hmm. I'm not going to go there I'm not going to do this for you I'm not going to say this for you I'm I'm just not and people are terrified of doing that because of what what the response of a narcissist is going to be when you say no
1: yeah and the and the thing that we need to do as those empathic compassionate, people, it's recognize and stop what I call the three P's: people pleasing, placating and peacekeeping. And typically we are so unaware of how much we do that in a relationship. And when we step back and take a look at it, we could be doing that 24 seven. And that's the mm-hmm. the tragedy is that we never give ourselves any existence in a relationship. When we're doing that, we're literally undermining ourselves. We are not telling the truth. We are never in our truth because we're so busy filling up that hot air balloon in our placating and peacekeeping and people pleasing. And so you want to step back and look at those things and and stop doing all those things. They're toxic to us and they're also dishonest to others. So we're not giving that relationship any possibility of growing. And when we stop doing those three things, then we have to tell our truth. And we have to tell, you know, and we want to tell our truth in love, and um, but that truth can set you both free, you know. And there, and there are sometimes when a person has come into that relationship with so much of that placating, and peacekeeping, and people pleasing that when they stop doing that and start setting boundaries, sometimes a person in a milder state of narcissistic traits will respect that person, will grow up and start to take care of the, their own emotions. And sometimes relationships are salvageable and they're only salvageable if you stop the three Ps and start telling the truth. And when you do that, and it can be as small as, no, I don't wanna go out tonight, I'm really tired. you know. And if that person pitches a little tantrum and pouts and gives you a hard time and pressures you, then you just say, no is a full sentence period. <laughs> Period. Not comma. <laughs> not comma. Yeah. And um, and then you know you dodged a bullet if they if they book it and find someone else, you dodged a bullet. So the, the boundaries okay. should be early and clear. But if you're already in a relationship, try and hold yourself to a rigorous honesty and stop doing the three P's. Now the boundary might create an escalation in that person because if they're used to you placating them all the time. And you start to tell the truth and set boundaries, if they escalate to violence, then you know you're done. You know, that gave you the information you needed to say, okay, this is not salvageable. This is not resolvable. This person does not respect me as a whole person in this relationship. They're only interested in me as the supply of their hot air, period. So if that is the case and they escalate when you set boundaries then you know you're done and you know you've given it everything because a lot of times people Mm -hmm. feel like oh I've got to give it more effort more time more fill in the blank and um but no you don't after you've established that that person is not interested in you being a whole person in this relationship you've got
0: to get done Gosh, those are wonderful words. It's reminding me of, I'm sure you've heard of, uh, in the 1990s, I believe it was, Henry Cloud and John Townsend's Seminole Boundaries book came out. And when I, because I've taught classes using that book, and one of the the questions that somebody wrote in and said, well, I'm afraid if I say no, they're going to leave. And I never forgot the answer that, hen- I don't know if it was Henry Cloud or John Townsend, which one of them wrote this answer, but they said, you know, if you say no and somebody leaves you the fact is they've actually already left you a long time ago in every way but physically so it's like they're they're gone already right. they're physically standing there but you're not going to lose anything right. because that was the that was people's biggest fear i if i say no That's why we don't say no, because we're terrified of what's going to happen if we say no. So it's like being able to face those things. It's like, yes, they might leave, but if they do, they've already been gone a long time ago anyway.
1: Well, and the the reality is that their presence in your life is parasitic. You know, they're a vampire sucking the blood out of you. They're a black hole that sucks the energy out of, out of the room. And so- Mm -hmm you know, good riddance to bad garbage. It's really, and that's hard to hear when you're still really emotionally tied to that person. But it also has often to do with the story they have about being alone. What is that story? And sometimes it's a social story. You know, I don't want to be alone. I'm such and such years old and blah, blah, blah. That makes me a loser a spinster or whatever you know and so we don't want to be alone because of some story that's societal or somebody's judgment or we're scared of being alone when the reality is that person is the most stressful part of our lives and being alone would be a a blessing and a gift and so it's really important to recognize those stories you're telling yourself around being alone and are they real or are they just old stories Are they real or are they societal garbage? And if you are afraid of being alone, how can you address those fears and get more comfortable with being with yourself? It can also be that you're so in that toxic relationship inside your own head that being alone is awful. And then we really have to address that because when you become your own best friend, you're comfortable being alone. And that's really, really important. When someone threatens to leave or, or is going to leave because you set a boundary, you've been alone. (laughs) You've been a hostage, not in a relationship. You've been, you know, that host to the parasite, not in a relationship. So, you know, you have to shift your perspective to that um, good riddance perspective, but that's hard.
0: Yes, you you speak absolute words of truth. Uh, the words coming out of your of your mouth. I've heard myself in conversations with other people before. and I did want to point out that sometimes when we kind of start talking about these relationships, I think most people kind of slide into this assumption that it's a it's a romantic relationship or a spouse and frequently it is. but like you mentioned earlier and I did as well, you know sometimes this relationship, is a little more complicated because it's your adult child or it's your parent. And sometimes that can get a little dicey and, and it's harder too. like I mentioned earlier with the, when you're trying to set your boundaries and do the right thing and feeling alone and the judgment and this kind of stuff. Because I think if someone is trying to leave a a narcissistic abusive spouse, most people would be, on those sidelines with their pom-poms doing the the cheer for them. But if that person is trying to set a boundary, a pretty hard boundary that they because they need to with either a parent or a an adult child, sometimes there aren't as many people lining the roads with their pom-poms.
1: That's absolutely because right. Because they don't
0: understand.
1: Yeah. And the, you know, one of the things that we talked about early in this conversation is the gaslighting. So that person is not only gaslighting you, they're gaslighting everyone around you. So they look like the the hero, they look like the victim, and you look like the bad person when you set a boundary with them. And that can be really disabling because if you are an empathic, compassionate person, the worst thing in the world anybody can say to you is, boy, you're so mean to your mother. You've been so vicious to your child. It's like, wait, 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 time out. That's not the case. But, you know, it's really hard. And, um, you know, one of the videos that I did a couple of years ago about when your uh, son or daughter is a narcissist is the one getting the most views lately. And it's really, really intriguing to me that people are really struggling with that so much. And then there's the dynamic of sort of withholding the grandchildren if you don't do what they want. And uh, that hostage taking is really painful for people. And if you've been raised by a parent who's a narcissist, you know, you come into life with all of these confusions around, you know, I mean, somebody with narcissistic traits is by definition set up to be a terrible parent. We all know that parenting takes incredible altruism, incredible empathy, incredible compassion, and not self-centeredness and and uh, lacking compassion, lacking empathy. So being raised by somebody with narcissistic traits means that you're only being loved when you are adoring them or adorable to the world so that you're bringing glory to them. And it's just a, it's just a mess. You don't, get that unconditional love that a healthy parent gives you. And um, so you're kind of set up in so many ways to have some hard times with your own sense of self uh, being tied into that. And when you have a narcissistic son or daughter, you have a lot of struggles around how do I love this person? I don't even like anymore. And how do I set boundaries with somebody when I, you know, set up to be a mom or a dad from minute one and now I'm trying to do something that might be harmful to them or hurtful to them but you have to rem- remember that boundaries are just how you're taking care of yourself in the relationship and so you're not um, you're not doing something hurtful. you're just saying when you are raging or hurtful or or abusive, I'm gonna hang up, I'm going to. Um, step out, I'm going to leave. And we can talk about it later when you can calm down. So it's like a grown up timeout. It's you're not doing anything terrible to them. You're just setting a boundary for yourself. And so when you do that, it's their choice. Do they want to grow up and, and treat you better? Or do they want to continue the same abuse control manipulation? And if they continue that, then you have to kind of step away. On the other hand, it's also true that we can learn to emotionally step back from somebody and stay physically present with them. So if you have to take care of your aging parent, or you have to sort of work with your adult son or daughter, or if you even have to coexist with your spouse um, because of your co-parenting, you can learn to emotionally step back so that you're no longer being injured by their games. And you're no longer controlled by them. So you're sort of watching the circus go by and saying, Oh, yeah, there's that game again. And oh, there they go. That's what they always do. And oh, yeah, that was a total lie. I can't believe they think I bought that. You know, so that you're not emotionally engaging and you're not, you know, jumping in um, and getting hurt by them or controlled or manipulated. You're just stepping back and existing within that presence but not emotionally getting drawn in.
0: That that is very true. We're about to wrap up, but I I wanted to get your thoughts on inconsistency. Because that happens in these relationships. Um, it happens a lot when you're dealing with whether someone has narcissistic traits or they also have uh, uh, addictive things going on. That's one of the things that I have found uh, for myself and for a lot of my patients is that the inconsistency makes it difficult. Because if somebody is always you know, awful, then you adjust and you go forward. Or if they're always healthy and awesome, then you adjust and go forward. But Frequently what happens, though, is there's this vacillation back and forth, and I would like to think that quite a few of the listeners out there probably, if they have been in relationships or if they are in relationships like this, they're going to know that that vacillation back and forth, that inconsistency makes it very difficult to to get footing and to feel like that you're making a healthy choice. Right. And so I I know that that's something that happens quite a bit with codependency and and addictive, you know, relationships with addictive personality traits and that kind of thing. I was wondering what your thoughts were about that and then we'll kind of wrap up and I'll make sure my listeners know where to find you.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Dana, because it's that cycling that creates the trauma bond and that is one of the things that people miss and and they think it's more about the person trying to change but it isn't they're cycling intentionally maybe subconsciously but still it's it's an intentional cycling where they give you enough love bombing to hook you in and then they devalue you enough to keep you undermined and keep you feeling insecure and then if you get to be where you're like oh i'm done with this they're being mean and rude and obnoxious and abusive Then they love bomb you again to hook you back in. And so they're training you to live on breadcrumbs. They're training you to undermine yourself. And then their work is kind of done because when you start to do that work for them inside your own head, where you're undermining yourself, where you're teaching yourself or um, forcing yourself to placate them over and over again and notice their every mood and their every whim and their every need, then you are really hooked and you're trauma bonded to them so that they keep doing those little tantrums or big tantrums. And as soon as they do that, then you out to them and you submit to them and then you placate them some more. So it's this very, very sinister and, and sick dynamic. And it's that cycling that hooks you in. So don't think of it I did a video called 10 ways to know that your narcissistic, your narcissist breakdown is not a breakthrough because we want to think that that breakdown was a breakthrough. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I won't do that again. Blah, 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 blah. But when the behavior doesn't change and when you hear that over and over, you have to recognize their breakdown is just that love bombing, that hooking you back in so that they can take you on another round of the roller coaster. And you don't want to keep jumping on that roller coaster. And the other piece that's really critical that I talk about in my book is recognizing the facts are different than the emotions. So we have the facts, we have our rational mind, and we have to stay on that rational track. And we have to recognize that our rational mind can add up all these things and know this person is not good for me. I need to get done with it. But your heart and your emotions are not going to be on board. So you have to really take that rational decision and walk it through and drag your heart along with it. <laughs> because it's, it, you can love and leave. You can still think that you're in love with and be completely attached and trauma bonded to somebody and decide with your wise mind to leave. And when you do that, then you save yourself and then you have to heal. But you've got to make that wise decision. In our culture, we think, well, if your heart's still in it, if you still love them, then you keep trying, blah, blah, blah. It's terrible. Um, We have to, you know, or people will even say, follow your heart. If you're trauma bonded to somebody, that's the last thing you want to do. You have to listen to your wise mind, look at the facts, and save yourself. And know that you're not going to feel like being separate. And your heart is going to go screaming and kicking through this process. And it will want you to go back and back and back. And you have to stick with your wise decision.
0: Shannon, thank you so much. I just, I've just thoroughly myself personally have enjoyed what you've said and really have, have heard the authenticity of it. And it really has resonated with things that I know to be true, and not only from personal walk, but also the walks of a lot of my patients. So I I appreciate you sharing this so much. I wanted to add one little thing based on what you just said, and then we're going to make sure my listeners know how to get more of you, how to find you, is that I, I feel like sometimes we have to say no to dysfunctional, pathological relationships in our lives so that we can say yes to the other relationships. Because it's not just that one person. We have more people in our life. And sometimes you have to say no to one so you can say yes to 10 others. That's right. And unless you say no to the one, you're not able to be in a relationship with the other people because you're, like you said, you're trauma bonded and you're kind of caught in this this, uh, riptide mm-hmm. kind of ass over elbows in this, <laughs> this dysfunction, you know, riptide. And so it makes it very difficult to be present in, in a healthy relationship with the other people in your life that are standing there waiting for you to really be with them. So sometimes you have to say no to the one so that you can say yes to five, seven, 10 others. So true that are healthy. So true. Okay, Shannon, I'm excited. So let's see. I've got on here that we're going to send listeners. I know that you have heard stuff today that's just been awesome. You want more of Shannon? Go to TherapistTalks.com. Is this, is this where you want them to go, that's Shannon? That's
1: correct. It's also called called NoFoggyDays.com. So that's the landing page for my book, my uh, YouTube channel, uh, I do blog posts and and post podcast episodes on the on there as well. And you can connect with me uh, through a newsletter so that I will send you things when um, when new stuff comes out. So yeah, jump onto that page and you can get there through either URL.
0: That is fantastic. Shannon, thank you. Thank Thank you you so much for sharing your time and your your wisdom and your energy with with myself and with my listeners today. Guys, out there in the Phoenix and Flame community, I know that you have heard so much today that is really is going to be so helpful to you. Or maybe you're thinking, you know what? I have a friend. That really needs to hear this, or I have a family member, or I have a coworker that, oh my gosh, I wish they had heard this podcast episode. Well, you know what? You just take this link and you copy and paste it, put in a text and an email, you take it and post it on your favorite social media site, whatever that is, and really get it out there and just share with everyone so we can just grow the Phoenix and Flame community and bond together and walk this walk together and be authentic as we're pushing through and transforming even when we feel like piles of ash. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. This is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.